welcome again to another conservative historian podcast. This one entitled, What Makes Civilization Strong? The date, August 2020, and I'm Bell Abbas. Quote, confidence is contagious, so is lack of confidence. Unquote. Vince Lombardi. Quote, Confidence is that feeling by which the mind embarks in great and honorable courses with a sure hope and trust in itself. Unquote. Cicero. Definition of confidence. Quote, the state of feeling certain about the truth of something and a feeling of self-assurance rising from one's appreciation of one's abilities and qualities. Unquote. I have always liked the term, cannot see the forest because of the trees. So many of our trends and movements are not apparent at the moment, but there are exceptions. The takeover of the academy by the left was about as conspicuous as Barack Obama's self-regard. But most societal shifts are only apparent in the rearview mirror. There was a moment when some 32nd century BCE Egyptian farmer noted to his chieftain, quote, the Nile was kind this year. I actually think, well, 30 of us can bring in the harvest. That means those two people can work on building huts, and that big guy over there, well, he can be our security, unquote. The chief nodded sagely and started to think about a way to capture this information because, well, that was a lot to remember. Maybe one of the hut builders could, you know, record the data. Thus, civilization was born. Looking at the new hieroglyphics those crazy kids were using to record crop records, a later chieftain did not all of a sudden realize, I am civilized. Maybe even Narmer or Khufu, some of those early pharaohs, did not see their civilized forest through the trees. But it happened nonetheless. At some point, ancient Egypt moved from tribalism to full-on civilization. It is challenging to know the rise of civilizations, but there were also conjectures about what the decline looks and feels like. In 1996, Thomas Cahill published his work, How the Irish Saved Civilization, the first of his magisterial Hinges of History series. How the Irish Saved Civilization features when the Roman Empire fell, or at least the western half of it, and with it, the transition from classical to the medieval. From the publishing of Gibbon's work in 1776 to the present day, the fall of the Romans continually draws analogies. Many of these are spurious, but it is challenging to read Cahill's work without concern, well, for our own American Republic. Within the book, Cahill proclaims arguably the most significant hallmark of a rising civilization versus a declining one. What is lost when a civilization grows weary and small is confidence. Cahill goes on to quote from Kenneth Clark's Civilization, quote, Civilization requires a modicum of material prosperity, enough to provide a little leisure. But far more, it requires confidence. Confidence in the society in which one lives, belief in its philosophy, belief in its laws, and confidence in one's mental powers, vigor, energy, vitality, all the great civilizations or civilizing epochs 
have weighted energy behind them. People sometimes think that civilization consists of fine sensibilities and good conversation and all that. These can be among the agreeable results of civilization, but they are not what makes a civilization. And a society can have these amenities and yet be dead and rigid. Unquote. Now keep in mind that Cahill wrote these words nearly a quarter of a century ago, and Clark's civilization was produced over 50 years ago. Cahill's publication, How the Irish Saved Civilization, was produced about well, eight years removed from Reagan's Morning in America, and it existed in an era between the fall of the Soviet Union and the rise of Islamic terrorism. In less than three decades, from the 1990s, the American population, that of today, is many things, but is confidence among them? In the halcyon days of the 1990s, at the end of the Cold War and creation of 22 million jobs, our biggest worry was not policy, but personality, particularly that of a president who not only conducted an affair while in office, but did so with a very young intern in the precincts of the Oval Office itself. The nation was more concerned with blue dresses than whether a state had turned blue. Titillating and a little disgusting? Yes. Sign of the decline of a great nation? Not quite. Yet look at this 1996 laundry list that Cahill writes to describe the end of the Western Roman Empire. For the print edition of this piece, I've converted the list into bullet points for better readability and elicit the same sinking feeling I have when considering this woe catalog. Quote, there are no doubt lessons here for the contemporary reader. The changing character of the native population brought about through unremarked pressures on porous borders. The creation of an increasingly unwieldy and rigid bureaucracy whose own survival becomes its overriding goal. The lip service paid to values long dead, the pretense that we still are what we once were, the aggrandizement of executive power at the expense of the legislator, ineffectual legislation promulgated with great show, and finally, the moral vocation of the man at the top to maintain order at all costs while growing blind to the cruel dilemmas of ordinary life. These are the themes of which our world is familiar, nor are they God-given property of any party or political point of view, even though that we often act as if they were. At least the emperor could not heap his economic burdens on posterity by creating long-term public debt for floating capital had not yet been conceptualized, unquote. And this is listing is not just Cahill's attempt to shoehorn in factoids to make his work seem more relevant. All this is a very apt description of the 5th century Western Roman world. And one has to love Cahill's sort of little parting shot about the inability of a Western Roman Empire to simply accrue up masses of public debt in order to cover or paper over the ills of their time. We live in an era today in which both major political parties, Democrats and Republicans, seem to ignore or wish away 
any talk on debt or deficits. Now, Cahill was writing about the Western Roman Empire, and obviously I'm making allusions to how similar a lot of the characteristics are. Now, obviously, those characteristics, whether in the early Roman imperial period, but certainly in the early American Republic, were not evident. Remember that word I talked about earlier? Confident. Contrast some of those descriptions of the later Western Roman Empire in the 5th century with a description from John Steele Gordon's Empire of Wealth. Quote, Virtually every major development in technology originated in the United States. And there can be no doubt that if the United States is famous for its get-up-and-go, that is because Americans are descended from those who got up and came. Unquote. And let me draw another contrast. That with Cahill's description of the last ancient man and arguably the first medieval one, Augustine of Hippo. Quote, Augustine, the feeling man, here shows the limits of feeling when his mind has shut down to all that opposes its already established propositions. Unquote. The concept of reason, championed by the Greeks, gives way to feeling, of blind faith, and most of all, to guilt. Again, quoting Cahill, quote, Augustine insisted that many sins are committed by men weeping and groaning in their distress, unquote. Contrast that with this passage from the Pulitzer Prize-winning 1619 Project, quote, in August of 1619, a ship appeared on the horizon near Point Comfort, a coastal port on the English colony of Virginia. It carried more than 20 enslaved Africans who were sold to the colonists. Not one aspect of the country that would be formed here has been untouched by the years of slavery. Unquote. As I've said in different podcasts, it is the opinion of the 1619 Project, that essentially 1619 was as that original sin date of the American Republic. For Augustine and later Christians, the world was founded somewhere around 4000 BC. And soon after that, Adam and Eve committed the original sin that would infect us all. The original sin of which we cannot get over. The original sin and the guilt therein that was so much of later Augustinian preaching. For the left of today, the New World may have been discovered in 1492 and the first colony in 1607, but the original American sin occurred in 1619. Though that date is not actually accurate, like so much of the Slipshot Project, that was wrong. But since it was published in 2019, Nicole Hannah-Jones and her bosses at the New York Times liked the 400 years ago vibe. In a recent article for National Review commenting on the decline in California, Victor Davis Hansen writes, quote, Through history, dark age man relies on his arms for protection. He travels as little as possible. He trusts no stranger. He has no state service for aid. He fears disease, eats no food not his own, and does not ever sleep far from home. And he prefers only those of his own tribe, unquote. I cite that to show Victor Davis Hansen's concept again of confidence. His description of so many Americans 
especially more and more in rural areas, describes the level of confidence, not just in the institutions around them, but even in the American Republic itself. Writers ranging from Fareed Zakaria to David Mason have long predicted the end of American leadership within the world. Many not writing as reporters, but almost hopeful about the impending decline and fall. Here is Zakaria writing in 2011 in his The Post-American World. Quote, if you listen to the political discourse in America today, you would think that all our problems have been caused by the Mexicans of the Chinese or the Muslims. The reality is we have caused our own problems. Whatever has happened has been caused by isolating ourselves or blaming others, unquote. I purposefully cite Zakaria, who has no real skin in the game for this decline narrative. But both sides of the ideological aisle like to traffic in what I call doom porn to gin up support and donations. With this noise, it is sometimes difficult to separate a sense of actual decline versus the rhetoric. Nor is this talk the reserve exclusively of Americans. There are always groups within countries that benefit from the perception of decline. To try to differentiate that concept, that concept of a lack of confidence, that concept of a permanent decline, let's go to the other side of the medieval world, the Renaissance. In 1505, Raphael provided a work entitled Portrait of a Young Man in Red. Later in the 1530s, Broncino provided the Portrait of a Young Man. The startling contrast when one views these images are almost wildly contrasting with medieval depictions, but also with imagery or depictions of today. These figures project confidence. Here's the Getty image description of Raphael's work. An unknown man, cool and contained, stands proudly in front of a prosperous landscape that may include a portrait of his residence, the fine yet restrained clothes, the direct gaze, and proud bearing characterize the new Renaissance emphasis on individualism. Unquote. Confidence in their civilizations and confidence in themselves. That is what those images and hundreds like them, mostly coming out of uh, Italy in the 16th century, but many also coming out of Spain, England, France, and Germany. These do not look like individuals consumed by grievance, nor afraid of the future. We have noted the lack of confidence endemic in the Western Roman world, but there was one place where confidence in those days still stood strong into the medieval period, and it was a pretty unlikely place as well. In Ireland, in the person of St. Patrick, who more than likely was from Romanized Britain, but traveled to Ireland, maybe as a captured slave who received his freedom, but then became a missionary. And Patrick was a very interesting figure. In many regards, he was the first of the true missionaries, in that all of his work was done beyond the original Roman borders, something that not even St. Paul, St. Peter, or Augustine of Hippo could claim. Cahill says of the former Romans' confidence, quote, and it is the sort of ringing, rock-solid confidence on which a civilization may be built, an unruffled confidence not seen since the golden age 
of Rome and Greece, unquote. But where did Patrick's confidence emanate? In fact, it was in his religion and his belief in the ability of Christianity to do good. There is a contrast with the way that Patrick used his religion to uplift people and that of Augustine, who used his religion often to denigrate and through the use of guilt drive down the aspirations of his people. As with so many belief systems, Christianity can be used to raise people up, as Patrick did, or drive people into submission, as Augustine and many of the later medieval clerics would do. And so it is with that which we could identify as secular religion. Within the concept of natural rights and Jeffersonian beliefs in liberty, therein lies the power of people to be raised up as hundreds of millions of have over the course of the American Republic. Yet there is also the power to drive people down. The concept of systematic racism and the proposed remedies therein are not about aspiration and they are certainly not about confidence. They are about guilt, a new kind of subservience and revenge. Quote, Rome fell because of inner weakness either social or spiritual, or Rome fell because of external pressure, the barbarian hordes. What we can say with confidence is that Rome fell gradually and that many Romans for decades scarcely noticed what was happening. Unquote. We hope you have enjoyed another production of the Conservative Historian Podcast. If you're interested in more conservative historian materials, please check us out on www.conservativehistorian.com. There you will find more podcasts, columns, essays, and even book reviews. This is Bell Avis. We really appreciate your listening.